Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. What a privilege to be able to have church together. We've been studying through the book of uh, Revelation, and we are now in the ninth chapter, and we're going to kind of pick up some loose ends that we left uh, there last week. I want to ask you to turn there, but as you do turn, uh, a couple nights ago I, I received a, an email. I can't remember exactly the, the, how this all fell into place, but um, Robert, who uh, works in the, in, the, in the tech booth, asked me if, if I would consider you know, praying for the students, the teachers, professors, those who work on campuses, who are a part of the education, because school is starting back up. And he said, I've done that before. And it's typical of me that, um, that, that I'll get going, and um, I get kind of tunneled vision, in a sense that I just do what I'm doing, and I, 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 don't, I neglect certain things, not on purpose. And so I encourage you, if there's something that you think I ought to pray for, if there's something going on that, that might be that we should pray for as a, a church family, I'd like, to, I'd like to do that. And so I really encourage you to tell me, and uh, you'll see that I, I will do it. Um, I, I, so I, I want to ask, if you don't mind, we've had it at every service, uh, those of you who are students and those of you who are teachers, professors, uh, uh, any of the others in education on, on campuses, whether it be in, in uh, whatever uh, school uh, grade limit that would be, it doesn't matter. And uh, even last night there was a gentleman that didn't stand up because he didn't feel like he should have, but he's a security on, on one of the campuses. He should have stood up. I want to pray for all of you that have anything to do with education or at all. So would you mind standing up, those of you that are in education, students or the like, would you please? Wow, look how many. Yeah, th this has been the case. You can, you can be seated. You can be seated. But this has been the case in almost every service. It's quite a few of you uh, that are, are wonderfully in education. And uh, so we want to pray for you. We want to ask that God would watch over you, um, give you wisdom. Um, well, let me pray it. Let's pray. Father, uh, we would like to pray for the, the students teachers, professors, others in education um, who will have an impact on, on uh, the young people's lives and then the young people who would have an impact on their teachers. Father, we, we pray wisdom and strength for all that are on the, on the path of education. Um, would you watch over the young people, watch over those who are the adults who will be teaching and interacting with the students? I pray for a very blessed, blessed year of school and I pray for the parents who entrust uh, their children to the teachers in these schools and I pray that you would also as us as parents and grandparents that we would in, encourage our, our young people as well as we watch them become educated and father grow in their and their um, in their intelligence but also grow in their love of, of Jesus Christ we pray we pray these things father in the wonderful and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ amen I want to make a little bit of a twist on, on, on this place in Scripture. Would you turn to, to chapter 9 of the book of Revelation, and just a couple pages to your right, would you look at chapter 12? I want to tie them together if you do not mind. Last week we, we looked at verses 1, 2, and 3, and, uh, and a little bit more of the rest of this particular place in Scripture. We're going to read in chapter 9 from verses 1 to 12, but I also want to read in chapter 12 verses 7 through 12. Let me start by reading in chapter 9, because these two events are connected. It says in chapter 9, verse 1, 
the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and a key to the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit, like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given them, as the scorpions of the earth have power. I want you to look at chapter 12, please, with me just for a moment. I want you to read with me verses 7 through 12. There was a war, it says in verse 7 of chapter 12, in heaven. Michael and his angels were waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war, and they, the dragon and his angel, they were not strong enough. There was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. They did not love their life even when faced with death. Now this is a key verse, verse 12. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But note... I take this to mean, let me just add here, please. I, I don't like to interrupt Scripture, but I, I want you to know that we've been trying to teach, and I believe now very strongly that there will come the rapture of the church, then will come the tribulation. And I believe this is part of evidence of that. We, we have seen over and over again that, that there is the church in the presence of God in heaven. And God then passes judgment, as it says over and over again, upon those who dwell upon the earth. Now we learned from chapter 6 and verse 10 that when those who were in heaven cried out to the Lord, Lord, holy and true, they asked, how long will you refrain from avenging and judging our blood upon those who dwell upon the earth? Those who dwell upon the earth were those who martyred them killed them, and now they are in the presence of God in heaven. Back to verse 12. For this reason, it says in verse 12, Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But note, woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Now please, let's go back to chapter 9. And let's catch this. We've noticed now that Satan and, this, and his demons have now fallen to the earth and they are going to wreak, wreak havoc upon the earth. They will have great wrath knowing that their time now is short. Chapter 9, verse 4. They were told that they should not hurt the grass of the earth nor any green thing nor any tree but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. In those days men will seek death, and they will not find it. They will long to die, 
and death will flee from them. Verse 7, The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like the hair of a woman. Their teeth were like the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. And they have tails like scorpions and stings. And in their tails is the power to hurt men for five months. And they have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Verse 12, the first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. If you remember back in chapter 8, verse 13, John looked and he, he heard an eagle of all things flying in mid-heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. In other words, the unbelievers who are on the earth because of the remaining blast of trumpets of the three angels were about to sound. Well, we are going to look at the one of the first of the three. There are going to be two more to come. I've preached to you over and over again that this is a bumpy ride, the study of the book of Revelation, because it's so difficult. There are people that are going through the most horrendous of times. And any of us who have love for people, you know, just, it just, it's got to just, it's got to just wear at us. Because if, if, and we don't know when, but if the Lord were to come and rapture the church during our lifetime, there will certainly be some that we know and love that have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And they will have to go through these times. Hopefully, prayerfully, they will be willing to be martyred for their faith so that they can come and spend an eternity with our Lord in heaven and with us. But we need to prepare them. We need to shout out, if you would, to plead, if you would, to, to live the lifestyle, if you would, that would draw people to the wonders of our Savior, that, that they might know Him and trust in Him. And we should not be a hindrance to that. I believe you're going to see that taught today out of this place in Scripture. This place in Scripture is magnificent if it were not for just the tremendous, tr tremendous trials that people are going through. And look what, look what some of these people become like. Look at chapter 16 with me just for a moment before we pray. Look what, look what they've become like. That's why we plead for those of you that are investigating whether you want to come to trust or believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now. We beg of you, don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. It says in, verse six, in chapter 16, verse um, 8, and now this is uh, talking about the bowl judgments. These are the last seven judgments. There are 21 in all. We've gone through the first seven, and now um, what would we have gone through? Three or four more. So seven, we've gone through 11 of the 21. It says in verse 8, The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. Now watch. And men were scorched with fierce heat. And what did they do? 
It says they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues and they did not repent so as to give him glory. And then it says in verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast and his kingdom became darkened and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And verse 11, again, they blasphemed the, the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores and they did not repent of their deeds. I just, it just hurts. It hurts. It hurts. The most simplest thing that the Lord God has given to you and me is to trust in Him, to, to come to Him by faith and confess any and known sin. He just says, if you confess your sin, He says, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He has given that us, to us as believers as a privilege. And for those of you that are investigating and you've not come to Christ yet, He has given you the simplest route that is to come to trust in Him by faith, to believe that He is who He says He is and that He will come and forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Don't put off. These people here become so hardened, that even though they know that he brings the plagues, they still blaspheme him, and they still will not repent. It's, it's difficult to swallow. So, let's pray and let's take a look at chapter 9. We will we'll take care of chapter 12 later when we get to it, but we want to talk now about what is going on here, and I want to show you in the midst of this terribleness, our Savior, our God is so wonderful. Father, please, bless us. I just met a couple that have come here and visiting for the first time. Watch over them. Bless them. Thank you, Father, that you've brought them to this church on this day. I pray that you will minister not only to them, but to each and every single one of us. That you will do, Father, as, as you promised in your word, as it says in the book of Psalms, that you will open up our our eyes, so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Oh, Father, please teach us. Move me aside. I, I, I beg of you, Father, um, let me not be any focal point in this at all. Let, let the words be, as it were, from your heart to ours, so that we might hear what you have to say to us, so that we might sense your presence amongst us, Father. And so bless us, please. Bless us as only you can. And Father, may we somehow, some way, this day be a blessing to you in return. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Well, this, this time here in chapter 9 is so intense and, 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 and the torment inflicted on the unbelievers in that day is such that as it says in verse 6, they're going to seek death. They want to die, but they will not, it says, be able to find it. It says they will long to die, but death will flee from them. They can't even commit suicide. All hope is gone. They have seen their earth. They have seen the sea. They have seen the, the fresh waters on the land. They have seen their air. Well, look, the earth that the people loved and worshipped, it, it, it's been devastated, ravaged, if you would, by earthquakes, fire, volcanoes. The sea now is full 
of dead bodies, fish, animals, mankind. The fresh waters, as we just mentioned, were turned into bitter poison. And the air, well, the air is now polluted with gases, with fall smoke that is coming up out of the pit, the abyss of hell itself. And now Satan and his demons are released to torment unbelieving people who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And now they can only hope for death, which will not come. Their dream of worldwide utopia, the dream of peace on earth, has escaped them all. You remember the four horsemen when they, they rode out in, in chapter 6 when we saw the, the seal judgments when that began and the first horseman went out on a white horse and he was claiming to bring peace on earth which was a false claim. Just as false and as dead as the very essence of Satan himself. Death and lies. And now there's no hope. Agony is afflicted upon them all. The demons have been released. There's no, no escaping God's divine judgment. And all attempts of suicide is, has failed. Tormented for five months. We can surmise that these so-called locusts that John is trying to explain to us is not referring to actual locusts, of course, but to demons who have, as it states in verse 7, the appearance of locusts. In verse 11 we read that, that, that this king, the, the angel of the abyss, and other than, than Satan, is now king over the locusts. But you can learn, if you study in, in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 27, the locusts, it says, have no king, yet they march in ranks. So we can surmise that these quote-unquote locusts is not referring to actual locusts, but to demons who have the appearance of a locust. They also, as it says in verses 7 and 8, they look like men, they look like horses, they have hair like women, and teeth like a lion. And their target of wrath, verse 4, look what it's against. It's not against, they, should, they were told that they, they can't hurt the grass, they, they can't hurt the, any green thing, they can't hurt any of the trees, but they can only hurt the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. The seal of God upon their foreheads. Those who do have the seal, we've learned, are the 144,000 Jews who were to evangelize the, the world, to reach to, out to everyone and anyone that they could with the good news of Jesus Christ. And those who came to believe in Christ were either martyred or would go into the millennium. We'll see that in time. The other ones who had the, the seal on their forehead were, were those who were redeemed during this time and on the earth. It says in Revelation 22, verse 4, they will see His face, those who are redeemed, who have the mark, and His name will be on their foreheads. It says in Revelation 14, 1, that John saw the 144,000 and they had his name, the name of, of Jesus Christ, the name of his Father, written on their foreheads. This seal, this mark on their forehead, marks all believers as 
personally belonging to God and they are protected by Him. Hands off. You cannot touch them. You know, that fits. That fits perfectly with... when. Remember when we were studying the churches, the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. Oh, wait. 3 and 4, right? Chapter 3 for sure. <laughs> it had to be 2 and 3, didn't it? Yeah, thanks. It had to be two and three. Two and three. But in chapter three, and, and, and there was one church that I said I wanted us to be like. And I feel like we are somewhat. This church was the church of Philadelphia. Remember? They were, it said, they had a love for two things. They had a love for the Word of God, and they had a love for the name. They did not deny the name nor the Word of God. The name of Jesus Christ. I believe that we do that here. I believe that's our sole purpose as we gather together, to try to learn and, and understand what's written in here so that we might become the people that God has called us to become. This is our guideline. This is what we base our church upon. A love of the name of God and love of the, of the Word of God. And so the church at Philadelphia, therefore, Jesus promised to the faithful there in the church, He says in chapter 3, verse 10, because you've kept the word of my perseverance, he says, I will keep you from that hour of testing, that hour which is a, about to come upon the whole world to test those, note, who dwell upon the earth. And we learned that the statement, those who dwell on the earth are those who have rejected faith in Jesus Christ. So we beg of you, don't sway from from Christ. Let me show you why. How many demons are there? That's, that's probably a, a, an interesting topic. The book of, of Revelation, the 12th chapter, the bo verses 3 and 4, tells us that, that Satan, called the great red dragon, with his tail, it says, in verses 3 and 4, he swept away a third of the stars of heaven, that is the angels, fallen angels, and he threw them to the earth. Well, in chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, the 11th verse tells us that John looked, and in heaven he saw myriads and myriads, thousands upon thousands of angels standing at the throne of God, good angels who are standing around the throne of God. So many, John said, there, myriads upon myriads, thousands upon thousands, so I couldn't count them all. With that in mind, a third of the fallen angels, angels must be just a tremendous number that are now tormenting the earth. What's their purpose? Well, their purpose is to destroy lives of all mankind. Their purpose is to take as many to hell as they can with them. But what about those who are saved by the grace of God? Satan desires to do one thing in your life if you're a believer, and that is to render you useless, unfaithful, ineffective for the cause of Christ during your earthly life now. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Listen to what Peter says. He says, Be of sober spirit 
and be on the alert. Because your adversary, the devil, is prowling about like a roaring lion, lion note, seeking someone to devour. In Job chapter 1, Job honestly is such an interesting study. We might do that sometime in the near future. Job is, comes into the presence of God in heaven. Excuse me. The devil does, not Job, excuse me. The devil does. And God asks Satan, where have you come from? Where have you been? And he answers and says to the Lord, I've been roaming about the earth, walking around it. Well, you know what he's doing. Peter has said, he's like a roaring lion. He is seeking somebody, anybody to devour. Well, if you study through the, the book of Job, it's an interesting study. And so fact is, is I mean, I wouldn't want to have been Job because I can't believe God. He says, have you considered my servant Job? I mean, you know, just leave me alone. <laughs> have you considered Job? He says, why? Well, yeah, but I can't touch him. Satan says, you've got a hedge around him. Which tells you in me something that God puts a hedge around all of us and, and, and Satan can't do anything to us unless God allows it. And so he says, well, go ahead. You can do anything you want to him, just don't kill him. It's an interesting, interesting study about the faithfulness and how God holds everything under his control, always. And it talks about the faithfulness of Job. I mean, there's, there were few, few like him ever on this earth. And so God says, where have you come from? Satan says, I've been roaming around the earth. And Peter tells us that he is roaming around the earth and his purpose is to seek out someone, anyone to devour. To either take someone to hell or to render a believer ineffective for the cause of Christ. That's what I'm arguing against this morning for you and me. I'm trusting that most of us here are believers. And for those of you who are not, and are still investigating. I, I want you to hear what God is going to say to you the rest of this message as well. First and foremost, for those of us who are believers, we know that Satan cannot, cannot do anything to us that God does not allow. We know in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, a verse that I'm sure that most of us have memorized. Greater is he... Wait a minute, how does that go? I'm teasing. What is it? Greater is he who is in you than he, Satan, who is in the world. It's greater. He can't mess with you. He cannot do anything to you unless God allows it. God is in complete control. And so you see, you as a believer, we as believers do not need to fear Satan if, if, if Jesus Christ is truly our Lord and Savior. But if Jesus is not, then, then of course you better fear Satan and you better fear him a lot. Because he'll want to devour you. But listen to this. I'm, I'm telling you by the authority of the Word of God, you best fear Jesus Christ much more than you do Satan. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, Don't fear those who can kill your body, or those who are unable to... No, let me read it correctly. 
Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Rather, he says, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now as these locusts or demons come out of hell, out of this bottomless pit, this abyss, we need to realize something that is forever and ever true by the word of God. And that is this. Look at verse 3. It's really a key. They come out of the pit of hell, smoke come out, and they were, and it says power was given to them. Power was given to them. I want you to note that their authority is not their king or the, or the angel of the abyss. In other words, their authority isn't really Satan. They are in authority to the one and only true God who has, verse 3, power that was able to give to them. You see, Satan and his demons can do no more, nor anything less than what God allows them to do. Never forget that. No one can stop, no one can alter God's ultimate purpose and plan for your and my life. The only one that can stop us is ourselves when we sin and if we don't deal with our sin. If you recognize that there is sin in your life, don't render yourself useless for the cause of Christ. Deal with it. Memorize 1 John 1.9. It is written for believers. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't, don't let your sin render you ineffective. I say this before and I'll say it again. You might as well get on board with God because ultimately you'll be under His judgment. He and He alone is in control. Now I want you to note the extent of Satan's authority as quote-unquote king, or should I say his lack of authority. Verse 5, concerning time, is five months. His time is limited by God to five months. Concerning his target, in verse 4, he, they only can harm those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They, they can't harm believers. They can't harm, harm the 144,000 Jews. Only those who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. In other words, unbelievers. Verse 4, concerning who they can and who they cannot touch. Well, they cannot touch or hurt the grass, green things, or the trees. And concerning who they can torment, verse 5, they were not permitted to kill anyone, but they could torment people, unbelievers, for five months. You see, God is in complete control. He tells them what to do. He tells them what not to do. He tells them when they can do it, where they can do it, and for how long they are able to do it. And we see that God is completely in control. Even though people are tormented, they want to they want to take their lives, and, and they can't. The Lord would not even allow them to die. He is in control of life as well as death and the number of days that you and I have on this earth. I want to close with the last part of this chapter, verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. And, and, and what I want to do is to, to allow you and me to see how, how difficult it is for John to try to explain what they look like. I mean, John has never seen anything like this before. 
He's trying to explain the unexplainable. It, it's, it's like, you know, going back in time and trying to figure out all the things that we have at our disposal here on this earth now. There's things that are happening at such a rapid pace. My dad died in 86, and I think if he came back today, he wouldn't recognize hardly anything what's going on. I could drive him batty just with, the, just with my paws on the TV set. <laughs> Sorry, that's just a little joke. In verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, we see these locusts, or these demons, and John says they look like, look verse 7, they look like horses that are prepared for battle. He says in verse 7, that their, their heads, they have crowns like gold. Verse 7, he says, on their faces, their faces were like the faces of men. In verse 8, John says, they have hair like a woman, and teeth like a lion. In verse 9, he says they're wearing breastplates uh, like iron. And he says they have wings that, that make sounds like chariots of many horses rushing into battle. In verse 10, he says their tails are like scorpions that sting, have power to hurt, hurt, hurt people for five months. Now, I, we can't make anything out of that. It, it, it would be unfair to to try to figure out what, is the, what does this mean? What exactly does this mean? Because John doesn't tell us. We can't assume that, I've heard some that say, you know, when it says wings that make sounds like a chariot, of course, it's, it's helicopters, right? And, and then they make this great noise and they look like locusts. It could be that, but it also could not be that. Don't know what it is. We just know that it's horrendous. We just know that what is going to happen on this earth, we shouldn't want anyone to be a part of that. We should give everybody an opportunity to come to Christ. And for those of us who love the Lord and know Him, we should not render ourselves ineffective to try to reach this world for, for Christ. Because look what it said in verse 12. Um, like we read in chapter 8, verse 13, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. Well, this is only the first of those three woes. There's two more to come. Look, John says in verse 12, this woe is past. Okay, we're over with this first woe, but there are two more that are still to come. And sadly, they will get worse and worse and worse. And that's why I say that studying the book of Revelation is difficult because it, it, takes, it takes into account a very difficult time on this earth, a time like never before. But you and I, we have an opportunity to reach our loved ones, to reach our family, our friends. We have an opportunity to reach people for the cause of Jesus Christ so that they'll never have to go through that. If what we are studying is correct, we will be, they will be, we will all who trust in Christ be raptured and be in heaven, singing praises and glory to our, our Lord. But those who remain on the earth, it'll be like hell, well, it'll be not as bad, but it'll be like hell on earth. They will go through terrible times, times that none of us would want to see anyone, not even our, our enemies go through. So we need to share Christ. We need to, we need to keep ourselves effective. We need never forget that Satan is roaming this earth 
looking for somebody, anyone that he could devour or to render ineffective for the cause of Jesus Christ. What purpose is there for us to live other than to share our faith? What purpose is there for us to live other than to see our families and our loved ones come to Christ? I mentioned to you two weeks ago, it, it, it's, it seeped into my mind so strongly that morning when I came to church, when I didn't preach, and I was listening to Rob, and, and I was sitting in the back, in that back row over there where you guys are, and I was... To my life, to my left was my wife who knows and loves the Lord. And to her left was our daughter who knows and loves the Lord. And to her left was her husband who knows and loves the Lord. And out there were our two grandkids, Hunter and Taylor, who both have made a, at the ages of seven and four, have made a profession of their faith to Jesus Christ because they're being raised by two godly parents. And across town, I recognize that my son knows and loves the Lord. And his wife, our daughter-in-law, knows and loves the Lord. And both their kids, our grandkids, both Dylan and Alex, have made a profession of their faith of Jesus Christ into their hearts. And I sat there in this church service just glowing, thanking the Lord for the greatest privilege that any person could ever have that our family knows and loves the Lord. We need to share with our families. We need to share with our loved ones. This is true, what we are reading about. Don't know when it's going to happen. But it's going to make an impact upon some of our loved ones. We need to, by the grace of God, to reach them before this all happens. Share your faith. Don't allow Satan to render you ineffective. Don't allow sin to stop you from doing all that God wants you to do on this earth at this time. Now, if I've not told you often enough, may I tell you from the depth of my soul, I love you with all my heart. Uh, for those of you that can, uh, Mary uh, Brewer will put to rest today her husband Steve. Those two people have been such a blessing to this church. If you can come back at one o'clock, the service will be here. Um, come to encourage her if you can. Um, tell someone today that you know that you love them. Don't put off for tomorrow. And if you've yet to come to Christ, Ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. Trust that He'll forgive you of your sin. Trust that He'll make you into the person that He's created you to be anyways. Allow Him to minister to you. And allow us as a church body to help you grow and you help us grow. We'll have a two-way street in this all. Thank you for being here, all of you. Let's pray. Father, bless this time, bless this day. I love these people so, so much. I ask, Father, that you'll bless us all, wherever you might take us. I pray that, Father, we would be a blessing to you wherever we may go, and that we would not be rendered ineffective for the cause of Christ, that Satan, even though he is roaming and, and moving around like a roaring lion, he cannot put his hands on us. Greater is he who is in us 
than the evil one who is in this world. Bless us, please, Father. In Jesus' precious name, bless us all. Amen. I love you all. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for being here.